Happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Huge AFC Championship game on Sunday between the Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals, so we've got a lot to cover on today's show. I don't want to waste any time. We'll start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, discussing their marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' divisional round win. After that, it's out of structure, highlighting some of the things that are working for the Chiefs right now. After that, it's the Great British Chiefs show. They had our first full Cincinnati Bengals preview of the week. Then we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs coast to coast. They broke down the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit more, specifically why the Chiefs have struggled so much. And we'll finish things up with show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball to win on Sunday. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It's the championship edition, championship week edition of the editor show, Pete Sweeney and, and John Dixon. And man, it, it it's that it's that time of the week which, which we know you love. I've seen the reviews. I, I saw them through the, those sugary bites of cake that I had to eat on the <laughs> second week, week of the new year. The Chiefs defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Peterson's Jaguars, twenty-seven to twenty, in what's well, a, a hard-fought game on on Sunday or Saturday, I should say. Never really felt like. The Chiefs were in, in too much danger, but it, it was interesting at times, John. We're going to start with you for your first marinated takeaway of the game. What do you have? Well, I was going to uh, start with that very thing, uh, w- w- talking about this game in comparison to the Week 10 game between these teams in the regular season. Um, I, I think one of the things that people said about it was, well, it's uh, you know it was a 10-point victory, but it was a game that felt like it was in hand. Uh, throughout the game. And I felt that way about this game as well. Um, yes, you know, it was a closer result at the end, but um, I, I really felt like the Chiefs had this game under control right from the opening gun. And that's good. You know, uh, nobody was expecting this Jaguars team to come out and be Uh, super fantastic in a lot of ways. You could characterize them as the weakest team in the AFC last weekend. Um, But um, I think there was concern that the Chiefs wouldn't take care of business, and it seemed to me like they did take care of business in this game. Um, You know, if without the the long special teams returns, two of them in this game, um, it might have been a a beatdown by any reasonable description. So, I was very pleased uh, with the fact that the Chiefs were able to control this postseason game. Yeah, I, I think a big part of that, as the Chiefs were changing quarterbacks and no one knew what was going on, was just that steady mm-hmm. hand of Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is unbelievable. I I know yeah. that the Jags were really bad against tight ends this year. And I know I know that, you know, from playing DFS and fantasy sports, sometimes you think that it's going to matter. And then all of a sudden that tight end has a quiet game. So everything, everything it, it raises in the playoffs, the level raises. And so you had extra attention at times on Travis Kelsey. It didn't matter. I mean, you had a, a situation where he's suddenly playing with Chad Henney. Doesn't matter. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we always talk about the mind meld between Mahomes and, and Kelsey. Man, Chad Henney sat for 18 weeks and looked like he had a mind meld with 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 Kelsey as well, <laughs> right? The Henny Kelsey mind meld hitting Kelsey for <laughs> a touchdown. Henny the Kelsey. Jags, a lot a lot of the time they weren't really banging 
uh, Kelsey at the line, and I, I thought he took advantage. It, it seemed like a, a bad plan in a way, and, and Kelsey made them pay. I thought this was interesting. He caught all 13 of his targets under 10 air yards for 84 of the, I believe it was 98 yards and, and the two touchdowns. So it was just, man, it, Kelsey's just open underneath. He can do that shimmy shake. You're gone, and then he kills you with the yak, the yakmeister, and uh, and wow, what a what a weapon for the Chiefs, and remains to be. And, and you know, we make so much of what Mahomes has done this early into his career. I think you could say the same thing about Travis Kelsey this late into his career. I, you know, I know the tight end position is a little bit different than wide receivers and running backs who seem to completely fall off, but he is just so clearly the best at the position in, in the game, and it, it doesn't show any signs still. Of slowing down he's 33 years old and and it does seem like intends to play next year regardless of how this season plays out so what a weapon that's all i gotta say about it. that's my first marinade takeaway what a weapon travis kelsey remains uh, <laughs> at the ripe ripe age of, of 33 34 well you can't uh, you, there's nothing to say about that you know you're this has been true all season um for most of the season he led the league among all receivers with 12 touchdowns i I don't think I think someone finally exceeded that because Kelsey didn't have any for a number of games there at the end of the season. But uh, it was kind of astonishing to see the way that he uh, dominated uh, his opponents and the other tight ends in the league this year. Pretty amazing. Although I must say that uh, George Kittle had quite a catch um, mm-hmm. in yesterday's uh, game against um, the George Cowboys. Kittle's been George Kittle's been banged up for a while and. I imagine you know, once he has a complete healthy season, he he could maybe reemerge into that conversation. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing too that Kelsey has on his side. I, I'm not going to say the thing that I know, know that some of you are thinking, but let's just say that Kelsey's very durable, and uh, sometimes <laughs> that that matters more than anything else. All right, John, what is your next marinated takeaway? Uh, I was kind of surprised. Um that we didn't see the Jaguars doing more crazy stuff. I really kind of expected that from Doug Peterson in this game. I I think he understood that they had a pretty substantial hill to climb in order to beat the Chiefs. And and that's not to say he didn't call some excellent plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, The play that they called in the red zone that uh, forced George Karlaftis into coverage uh, on Kirk, Christian Kirk was an excellent play call uh, from the Eagles. I know a lot of people are complaining about that. Um, you know, like Steve Spagnuolo deliberately put Karlaftis out there in coverage. No, <laughs> that's not what happened. This, this was not. This was not as bad yeah. as Antonio Brown, Justin Houston. It really right. wasn't. Totally different situation here, and I I really want to caution people from letting yeah. that become a thing that we talk about all the time because it was really just a great play call from Doug Peterson, but we yes. didn't see a lot of, you know, going forward or on fourth down or, you know, uh, special teams aggressiveness. Uh, they had some, a uh, couple of big returns, but uh, they didn't, you know, I just didn't see the kinds of things I expected to see from Doug Peterson in this game. And I, I was kind of surprised, frankly. Yeah, I, I, it was a little bit more, I think vanilla than than you thought it might be. Um, mm-hmm. and, and look, the Jaguars were in it, right? If they don't have that fluke fumble at the end, maybe this is a lot more interesting. And but that sure. that's that's what goes into to learning here. I I think you know a point that sticks out for me about the Jags is this was just the beginning for them. I you know I know I saw a, a tweet that 
I think it was Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer that said something similar where the Jags were just getting started. Man, I, I think Trevor Lawrence, I know he was only, what, 24 of 39 for 217 in a touchdown in this game. I think he is very clearly a franchise quarterback, and I think he's going to be a, that annoying thorn in the <laughs> AFC as we go here because the AFC South, look, it stinks. It, it really stinks, which it, it, it lends credit to, to the Jags. The Chiefs division, I think it, it'll be better next year. Over the years, it's been pretty bad. That's that's a plus because you, you, you're playing – teams that you're clearly better than and you're probably going to be in the playoffs every year and if you're in the playoffs every year you get this experience and I, I just think the Jags will be much more equipped next year I'm eager to see how that program continues to to develop but I, I tend to agree with you my next takeaway is how about these rookies for the Chiefs mm, yeah. Isaiah Pacheco we had mentioned had that key 39 yard run when Chad Henney is in the game Chad's not going to be able to do himself like Mahomes can a, a lot of the time and so he needs help from other guys and Pacheco so had some fumbling issues quietly. No fumble uh, in this game. Was able to get 95 yards um, on, on the 12 attempts. At times, really, I thought, in, in a game especially where Mahomes got injured, uh, and let's say you take Kelsey out of this mix because he would be the next up, but let's take Kelsey and, and the quarterbacks out. But Pacheco looked like maybe the, one of the better players on the field in this game, mm-hmm. and that's, that's yeah. key for the rookies. And then you go on the other side of it with Trent McDuffie and Jalen Watson, McDuffie, uh, was able to get a pass defensed for combined tackles. Jalen Watson, of course, had the, the three tackles, uh, the two passes defensed, including the one-handed interception to to seal the game. And, you know, Jalen Watson and Isaiah Pacheco were taken in, in the seventh round of the NFL draft. The seventh round of the NFL draft. Uh, so kudos to, to Brett Veach for having the the – smarts to take these guys who you know a lot of times late in the draft you're looking for these raw traits but man they have developed real quick here in kansas city and and you you go from a rookie in in a way to a veteran quick and i I think that's the case for these two guys and two guys taken in the the seventh john yeah i i you know we have or anyway i have been saying (laughs) ever since uh patrick mahomes signed this huge contract that's got him tied to the team for so long that sooner or later the Chiefs were going to have to depend almost entirely on the draft to bring in new talent, that they just weren't going to be able to afford uh, to spend big money in free agency. And we were just going to have to get used to the idea that we were going to have rookies on the team and they were going to come in and play, and and we just got to get used to it. Well, this is what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, the, the Chiefs bringing in a lot of players and putting guys who are late-round draft picks on the field and seeing them perform. And I and I have said versions of this over the years, and I, I just feel that it bears repeating. There's not really that much difference between a guy who's taken in the first round and one who's taken in the second, the seventh round. When you get right down to it, we're talking about the difference between the 98th percentile and the 99th percentile of college players, and they there's not going to be a whole lot of difference between these cats. What makes a difference is that the opportunity is the opportunities that they get, and that is that a seventh round player isn't going to be as likely to get on the field as a guy who's taken in an earlier round, and so they get they end up, be, you know, becoming more successful uh, than than uh, than the players taken late in the draft. But we just see a great example of this uh, with San Francisco's quarterback, Mister Irrelevant. Mm-hmm 
who comes into a situation and plays great and yeah. he's playing in the playoffs. And I think that that's part of what we're seeing with these young seventh, uh, seventh round players like Pacheco and Jalen Watson is that you give these players taken late in the draft, the opportunity to play that they can easily surprise you. Um, and so I think it's just a, a great example of why we shouldn't just assume a guy taken in the last round of the draft is not going to be a contributor. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And it's a good reminder to, to stick around. Uh, wow. This, this leads into a great tease for Arrowhead pride a couple, couple months from now. You you should be checking right. in day three of the NFL draft on that Saturday. You know, don't don't shut off your TV or your internet at, you know, any too quickly. I mean, these guys might be having yeah. one-handed interceptions in next year's divisional round. So stay tuned for that coming up soon. Of course, after the the Super Bowl parade, right, John? You know, yeah, I, I think Kelsey really you know stepped up on that ninety-eight yard touchdown drive with Henny, especially. I mean, he had a he had a few huge conversions, including the touchdown. Although the touchdown was just a great play design, you know, the, the jet motion and the pick play leaving Kelsey wide open. So, yeah, no, it, it was it was a very masterful performance from Kelsey. It's just what he does, man. I think I saw a playoff his, his last six or seven playoff games. It's all, you know, near 10 catches, 100 ish yards, at least a touchdown. I mean, that's this is what he does. And, and, and it just shows you that when this offense really needs to go over and it really needs to you know get into playoff mode, it centers around Travis Kelsey. I mean, we all knew that, but it, it really does. Yeah, there wasn't really any uh, notable performance in the rest of the receiver group this week. Uh, Kadarius Toney uh, had, a, had a pretty solid game of his own. He had seven targets, five catches, 36 yards. Uh, his impact never seems to completely be reflected in the box score, just the way he moves and the way he uh, breaks tackles and, and yeah. uh, uh, challenges defenses. I, I think he, he's bringing some value there. But other than him – Nobody else had uh, more than two catches. Juju had two. Everybody else had one. And, and so it was not a not a big passing performance, so, so not huge performances out of the receivers. I got to think as they advance, they're going to need more out of the rest of those guys than they got this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a key thing to this this Bengals matchup, which we'll talk about a little later. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think they really do need – it was the depth of the receiving core that really doomed them at times last year, you know, I, I, especially in that Bengals AFC championship game. And they've worked on that. Now, you know, we're still missing McCole Hardman. We still don't know, you know, where that's at. You know, obviously he didn't play this week when I kind of expected him to. I was kind of ready for him to, to be ready for the playoff run. But, you know, I, I, it, it, you're right. It is, a, it is a big important part of this because the Jaguars' defense, as, as good as they played down the stretch, you know, they, they are susceptible. They, they really played a very vanilla scheme. Um, you know, they did blitz quite a bit, but, you know, they, a lot of times they're playing one high stuff, which is just playing into what Mahomes and the Chiefs offense wants to do. The Bengals aren't going to play into, <laughs> into what the Chiefs offense wants to do, man. So that's going to take a lot more, uh, you know, the receivers, you know, just getting open by themselves, finding open space, ca- securing the ball, catching the ball. You know, we didn't see any, you know, egregious drops from Kansas City this week. That was nice. Um, but it's going to take everyone against the Bengals and, and it's not going to, you know, you can't just rely on Kelsey to get 15 catches. I doubt, I doubt the Bengals allow that to happen. The Chiefs running game was fairly impressive though, especially Isaiah Pacheco had his longest run of the season, that epic 39 yard run as part of the 98 yard drive orchestrated by Chad Henney. Pacheco ends up with 95 yards on the game with a 7.9 average uh, on 12 carries. Uh, Tony had the one good run. McKinnon, didn't get a lot done on the ground, but 
when they rushed for 144 yards on just about a five yards per carry average as a team, uh, that's a pretty good sign that this offense was was balanced and it was humming. Yeah, that's the thing. That 140 yard run was really nice down the down the stretch of the 98 yard run. He almost got in the end zone there. That really showed off Pacheco's explosiveness. You know, he kind of you know the play was almost you know dead, right? You know, it was he kind of got jumbled up at the line of scrimmage. You know, it really got you know mucked up there and and he bounced it out and and took off and that's where that four three nine forty yard dash comes in. I mean we haven't really been able to see his open field speed too much this year, but you know that's that's why they like him, man. I think it's because he's getting better between the tackles, but he has that ability to to pop one off and and, and really get a, a good amount of yards out of one play. And they and you know I think that's what they lack out of uh, you know the Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon's um, you know McKinnon can do it a little bit but just doesn't have that same explosiveness in in the open field vertically like Pacheco does. So yeah, and I think again, you know, I know we're I, I keep saying kind of it's a huge you know thing for the Bengals game, but it is. I mean, if the, if a run game can dominate the game, control that aspect of the game, it's really going to help you know a, a Chiefs team that you know it seems like the Bengals defense really gives their pass offense trouble. You know. Uh, give them relief, give them help by having a really impactful run game this next week. On the defensive side of the football, maybe there's some some conversations to be had about the run defense. Um, the Jaguars also ran for 144 yards on a 7.6 average. Uh, there were some times where there were some really massive holes for Jaguars running backs. This seemed to be it was a little concerning to me. It wasn't enough, I don't think, to turn the tide of the game, but but something to watch going forward if they're not able to to fit the run better than than what they did against Jacksonville. Uh, again, they could have some trouble against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I mean, you watched the Bengals game against the Bills. They were pounding the rock against against a Bills team that's supposed to be a solid, you know, really sound team. Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's not the case anymore. I think we're starting to learn about the Bills defense. I was kind of starting to feel like they were falling off a little bit even prior to that. And I know the Bengals offense is just very good, but, uh, you know, the, the Bills defense, you know, definitely has fallen off a little bit. But, you know, I, I do think you watch this Chiefs game against the Jaguars, and that was the main thing, right, Again, with the defense was Travis Etienne popping off a 15-, 20-yarder every once in a while. Even Jamichael Hasty, their backup running back, got one on occasion. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it and, – and, you know, we'll talk about this position more later, but, you know, it, it seemed like a lot of times it was linebackers not getting off blocks, unfortunately. You know, you need to see Nick Bolton get off a block and, and kind of stop that run for five or six instead of letting him get to the third level. Um, you know, and that was even the case with, with Willie Gay. And, you know, in the first half, we saw Darius Harris playing it again, you know, dri- driving me nuts. Uh, he was in on the base packages instead of Willie Gay. Um, and he actually, I think you kind of saw that. I, I, I didn't watch the whole second half yet, but I think they went away from that completely in the second half. I, so I, maybe they realized finally that it's not a good idea to have Darius Harris in the game over one of your best playmaking players. Because um, I know Willie can be a little erratic, and maybe that's what they're trying to do there. Maybe they feel like, in base packages, Darius Harris is more of a sound, fundamental player, just going to do what he needs to do and not kind of go out of his way like Willie can at times. But that was really the, the main thing, right, was, was the run defense. And that's a problem. But we all know it's a passing league, and, and that's where, you know, it, 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 I think the Chiefs' game plan for, for heating up Lawrence, it did work for the most part. You know, they got the stops they needed to. They got sacks at times. You know, obviously, it, you know, it can it can look bad when it ends up with George Karloftis and coverage on Christian Kirk in the red zone, which, you know, that's just a great play by Doug Peterson, man. I, I you know, he puts him at running back, you know, and, and, and Spags is blitzing. So he, he's forcing a quick throw. You think about Karloftis on a running back still isn't, you know, an advantage uh, matchup you want to have as a defense. But 
no, it's, it's a quick throw. And, and as long as Carl Offison kind of, you know, get to the flat quickly and, and kind of take away that angle, you know, it, it, it's, it's usually not going to go to him, right? It's going to go to someone else. But when it's a receiver as the running back, and it's probably a route that Lawrence is, you know, zoning in on right away, as soon as he sees Gay Blitz, he knows Kirk's going to have an angle to Carl Loftus to the corner of the end zone. So it's just a great play designed by Doug Peterson. You're going to live and die by the Blitz. But besides that, I think he, he mixed up his Blitzes a lot and, 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 and did enough. The opening drive was a good example of it, Blitzing. He, he did enough to get uh, timely stops in this game. So I think the defense deserves some credit for this game specifically. But we'll talk about some of the, the things that, you know, maybe it wasn't perfect and why, you know, there's still skepticism about next week. Yeah, I do think when you look at the pass defense, uh, the thing that jumped out at me was Christian Kirk, who gave him the business last time around. Um, Christian Kirk had 14 targets, but only seven catches today or, or on Saturday. And so that was a one of those things where you look and say they, they did some work against him uh, this time. They mixed up uh, in coverage a little bit. And you look at the stats for the two rookie corners, Trent McDuffie uh, was targeted three times, gave up two catches for 21 yards. Uh, Jalen Watson targeted four times, gave up two catches for 55 yards. And Watson had the the highlight reel, you know, game, basically game-ending one-handed interception. I think the play of those guys plus the safeties in this one were pretty encouraging. So I think you've got to be – to feel pretty decent about your secondary at least, even if the linebackers uh, and Karloftis and Space are not uh, – were not elite in coverage this week. Right. And, you know, it's just, you know, I do think I do think Spags kind of tested Lawrence a little more than he would for a burrow. I think he you know, it's a young quarterback. It's still his second. It's his first road playoff game. I do think there were some things that Spags kind of, you know, maybe it was a little risky, you know, kind of going high risk, high reward kind of thing, testing a second year quarterback again that he may not want to do with burrow because I think burrow has proven to him, especially I, I, I would think so after three matchups. That uh, that he is gonna you know take advantage of the weak spots that a blitz you know brings, and he's gonna take advantage of you know any sort of small windows in coverage, and so that's why you need to kind of maybe keep as many in coverage as possible for the most part, and try to get pressure with four, with three at times, or you know simulated pressures where you're dropping a guy, you know dropping a defensive line and bringing a linebacker. You know they did a really good job with that on one particular snap on third down um, against Jacksonville, so. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the, the game plan was, was, is not going to be the same for Cincinnati. Uh, I think you're going to see maybe a little less chaos, a little more, you know, hey, try to, you know, you're going to have to nickel and dime us down the field and, and, and you know, we'll hope we'll try to be, get one pass rush and maybe set you back one second or third down. You know, that, that's got to be the key here because, you know, if you, if you get too chaotic with blitzing Burrow and, and giving him too many man-on-man situations with these receivers, man, it's, it, you're going to pay. So um, I think he's learned that over the last three matchups. And I don't, I don't want to start. Don't this. start talking about Super Bowl windows and shutting and all that no, kind of stuff. I, I just want to talk like, I want to be real, right? Five AFC Championship games. We lose on Sunday. We make two Super Bowls. We only come away with one Super Bowl. You're talking about a conversion rate of 20%. Now, I know mm. you're giving yourself more shots because you're in that you're in that game to begin with. Like, you look at the Bengals, this is only the second time they've been in this game, that time span. 49ers is the third time they've been at the Eagles. This is the uh, first time they've been in it in the same time span. Yeah. But do we get worried if the Chiefs don't win on Sunday? Are we starting to worry about the conversion rate when it comes to championship games versus Super Bowls one? Because we're not there yet and we are a long time, long way off this. Mm-hmm. But the Aaron Rodgers comparisons will begin at some point. Yeah. If you don't start turning these appearances 
into hardware. Well, it's, I suppose it's better going into five AFC Championship games, winning the Super Bowl, and going to another Super Bowl, and possibly going to another one, possibly mm-hmm. going to three. Yeah, it's better doing it that way than going to like four Super Bowls and not winning any. Yeah, very true. It's like it's like it's like digging the bills there. I feel like, but yeah, Was it, it? yeah. Obviously, <laughs> there's 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 an every cloud to all of this. Yeah. <laughs> obviously there is, but I, I feel like the Chiefs need this one. They do because of what you're talking yeah. three years now from their last Super Bowl win, mm-hmm. two years since the embarrassment in Tampa. They've already lost two AFC Championship games, one against this team last year. Mm. I just don't, in terms of importance of a game, I think this might be the most important game outside of Super Bowl 54 mm-hmm. of Mahomes' career so far. Yeah. Because I would agree. No, I would, I would agree. I would agree because, it, like you said, there's a. It's almost like legacies at stake here, isn't it? That, that that's almost yeah. like you know, um, when you look back at players legacy, and you you compare what he's done over the years and everything, you don't want to be considered to be that very nearly guy or yeah. somebody who has a like you said just won one Super Bowl, but he's he's been to so many AFC Championship games and so many Super Bowls, and never really kind of you know got over that hump, but you know. I think the one Super Bowl already that he's won kind of gives him a bit more time. If it was, if we didn't have that, he'd, he'd obviously suffered two defeats in the two Super Bowls. Absolutely, I think then you know you start getting the Marino <laughs> Marino comparison, don't you? Yeah, again? yeah. Um, so getting that one, I think, really kind of helps it. But you're right; it, it, the importance of this game is huge uh, because it's again, it's a rematch basically from last year. Yeah. That's the important thing for me. I'm focusing on most, not the fact that it's actually, you know, the fifth fifth consecutive AFC Championship game, and it's a you know could be his third Super Bowl he's going to in five seasons. Yeah, it's this game in particular that the Bengals are such a great team, such a phenomenal team, and that yeah, he should have got through last time, but for whatever reason, you know, the second half of that game last year was just horrific. I mean, from, mm-hmm. from going so, like a golden first half to so horrific in that second half, we can't have something like that again. And this game has to be a put-right game for the Chiefs and for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, against that quarterback who's won against, three times. Exactly, you know, it, it's you don't, want to, you don't want to hear about the words of a kryptonite or nemesis or anything like that, but... You almost those have words to tr- will come. Oh, those words will have to, and they will like rightly that. come. Yeah, as well. Like if the Chiefs manage to lose to the same team four times in mm. sixteen months, not even sixteen months, fourteen months, four times in fourteen months, lose to the same team. Yeah, there's a problem there, and mm-hmm. that problem will only spiral and spiral and spiral. Like, look at the Denver Broncos. When was the last time they beat us? Now, was, you, the, you... was Twitter even invented then? Or something? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That just keeps spiraling and spiraling out of control. And obviously the talent difference and the coaching difference between the Broncos and the Chiefs is far greater than the what is happening with the Chiefs and the Bengals. But it's still a problem for the Broncos. It's still another hurdle. So even mm. when they do get the talent, when they do get the coaching, they've still got that mental block to get yeah. over, and that's getting over the hump of the Chiefs. And the the longer and longer it goes with the Chiefs not being the Bengals, then the more and more it becomes a problem because there's Little every feste. chance we're gonna, exactly there's every chance we're going to have to play them again twice next year. We're playing them at home next year in Arrowhead. 
could face them again in the playoffs. They need to get this win. And I just think this game against this particular opponent is so incredibly important. If this game was against the Bills and was in Atlanta, I don't think it carries the weight that it does. No, it doesn't. But it's the fact it is the Bengals. It's the fact it's that team that embarrassed you at home last year in the second half of the AFC Championship game. A game we were absolutely breezing through. Mm. And then we mess up with that last play before the uh, before half time. And the second half, we were just a shadow of ourselves. And the, the the Bengals found something that worked and they've clung on to it ever since. And it worked again in the regular season this year. The Chiefs didn't score many points against the Bengals this year. And then yet again, the Bengals had our number. They can't, they just cannot allow this team to beat them. And yes, there are excuses already made. There are. Mahomes' injury is absolutely a factor. Mm-hmm. And it is a legitimate reason why the Chiefs could lose to the Bengals. But putting that aside, everything else, every other player involved in this game, every other player that was involved in the AFC Championship game, all the coaching, they still have this revenge factor. And it, they, they cannot lose this game for their own, not mental well-being. It's not that serious but for their own pride and for what's at stake going not only this season, but going in seasons in advance as well. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be, you don't want to become like, you, like my problem is it with, it's like, you don't want to become like the Bills. The Bills have essentially beat their team or built their team to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. You don't want to become a team that is building their team to be a particular opponent. That's what crap teams do. Or that's what, <laughs> inferior teams do and we don't want to become we don't want our off season being based around trying to stop joe mixon we don't want our off season to be based around trying to stop jamar chase yes of course you want those type of players that can stop class receivers but you don't want to you don't want to build your team specifically for the bengals because you don't want to be in a situation where you're circling that one game every year oh this is the year we have to get over the bengals because that in itself is a mental block we need to equal it up. We obviously it's not going to be equals in terms of uh, three to one. They're still always going to have that little bit of advantage. But in terms of ASC Championship games, we absolutely need to equal that because if we don't, we're going to go into next off season. We're going to go into next year, and all we're going to think about all year is the Bengals. And it's like it happened this year. We lost to the Bengals in the regular season. Travis Kelce straight away. I hope we play him in the off. I hope we get to play him again in the playoffs. And we don't want to become one of those teams that just like fascinate and fester over this one team all off season. It's, it's not good. It's not healthy. And it's not the way to build a team. Quite right. <laughs> I can't add to that, mate. That's the, yeah, quite right there indeed. Uh, we were mentioning defenses before and, uh, it's that guy again that we mentioned last year, uh, Lou Anamaru- Anarumo. Lou Anarumo. You still can't say his name. <laughs> Lou Anarumo. Um, his defenses. I mean, we, we saw it obviously in the game against the Bills, and um, it's just such a, a tight defense. And it's it's crazy to think as well because um, they were playing zone in that game, um, and you expect Mahomes to be pretty kind of lights out with, with a, a, a team that's playing zone against him. Mm. Um, but it never materialized in that previous game in the in the AFC Championship game from last year. So you know, has Mahomes learned enough about this defense now to actually take it with a you know take it with a bit more respect to it and 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 not continuously focus on the pass because we did that in the second half. We mm. never went to the run game, hardly ever went to the run game, and that was the thing that buried us because yep. Anarumo just dared Mahomes to to to, to throw on his defense. Yeah, and it it never materialized. So the Chiefs need to really wise up on this because it was 
the issue from last time. We relied yeah. too heavily on Patrick Mahomes, which was... <laughs> can you ever say do, that? We can't do this week because he hasn't got the body to do it. Exactly. We can't We can't have a situation where Patrick Mahomes is dropping back to pass the ball 40 times. Uh-huh. Like you've got you've got the hot hand in Pacheco. They absolutely have to ride him. Yeah, it might result in a couple of drives that don't go our way, a couple of free and outs. There'll be the odd frustrating drive. There'll be the odd second and long run that you think, why are you doing that, Reed? Yeah. But they need to do something because they need to keep the Bengals honest on defense. And what I notice about the Bengals' defense, and it's, it's crazy because it's rare that you see this, but the Bengals' defense, although statistically it's not one of the best, it just always looks like they've got about 14 players on the field. Yeah, exactly. Every single time. There's there's always players around the ball. Whether it's because they against the uh, better callbacks, they drop more guys into coverage, they rush free, they get home of free, they get enough pressure, and they've always got guys on around the ball. I don't know what it is, but it's just mad to me. It happened in the AFC Championship game last year, mm. where it just seemed like Bengals players were everywhere it didn't matter what level of defense were they just always seem to be a man or two more than the, than the Chiefs players that are actually out there the problem the Chiefs had last year though was that they didn't have the plethora of pass catchers that they have this year mm. and we talked about it a number of times this podcast this year about how many different receivers have caught passes from Patrick Mahomes like you yeah. I think you've brought it to the, I think you've brought the stat to the show every single week you've mentioned it because it's phenomenal <laughs> it's yeah. it's and crazy. that is going to be so important this week against the Bengals because last year against the Bengals second half in particular it was all force it to Kelsey it was all force it to Hill and the Bengals done such a good job of taking those two players away in the second half whilst getting home with three or four man rushes where the Chiefs couldn't move the ball we had the Marcus Robinson running routes. He was our WR2 last year. Like that's how desperate it is. You look at the situation this year and you've got contributions from tight end. You've got contributions from receivers. You've got Tony, Juju, MVS, Sky Moore, less so, but um, Blake Bell, Noah Gray, Travis Kelsey. You've got Jarek McKinnon. Now there are so many options for Patrick Mahomes and this offense. The best thing they can do is honestly share the responsibility, share the wealth, because that is the way to beat this Bengals team. The Bills the other day were trying to force too much to Gabe Davis. They were trying to force too much to Stefan Diggs. And there just wasn't the other players Mm. to step up where the Chiefs have those options. They have a play caller who is a bloody mastermind at spreading the ball. And they need to showcase that this week. And when it comes to the run game, they have to commit to it. They absolutely have to commit to it because they need to bring this Bengals defense up. They need them to start bringing four or five more, four or five guys to the line. And that will in turn open everything else up. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about Patrick Mahomes and what he needs to do in his injury, but the Chiefs can do so much to help him. They honestly can because they can they can almost cover up for his injury mm-hmm. if they call the right type of game. So this is on you, Eric the enemy. This is on you, Andy Reid. You two are like the MVPs of this game. You call a good game, the Chiefs stand a chance. If they don't call a good game and we're relying on Mahomes and trying to limp his way through this game like the second like 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 the the super bowl a few years ago the chiefs don't stand a chance that's why i'm very confident in this game with the chiefs that the fact that this team plays differently to what it did last year like you said you mentioned that obviously tyree hill's not there there's not that temptation to go deep all the time to try and hit that Mm. that star player there yes we've got to kelsey there but like you said the amount of weapons that we've got that shared it around and he's been doing it all year um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I do think it's going to confuse this uh, this Bengals zone defense quite a bit. I think because there's that there's too many moving parts for them, um, and I, somebody's got to be open. That, that, that that's that's the yeah, key thing. Be, yeah. Somebody has to be open, no matter who you put on. 
Kelsey or, like you said, Juju. There's other people there that, that can actually, there's other weapons there that can mm. make something happen. And, and McKinnon's going to be the key in this, I think. I really do. If it's going to be the short underneath game, yeah, McKinnon's going to be the star guy in this. Um, that's what I feel anyway. But um, just talking about the uh, the defences, um, <laughs> Eli Apple, you target that guy all game, right? I mean, the Rams did. Uh, You've got to do it, haven't you? You've got to target uh, Eli this. Apple all game. One of the big bright spots, bright spots excuse me, for Kansas City this year, Mark, Isaiah Pacheco enters this one um, looking really good, looking really polished, and has a chance to make an impact. Yeah, 100%. Um, and by the way, uh, we may be freezing for the live audience. I know you keep freezing on my end. I think I'm freezing as well. Uh, the audio is fine, though, but just putting that out there. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for Pacheco, obviously – you know, this is a guy that's built, that's dealt with a lot of adversity in his life, man. Uh, if you know his story, go read up on it, man. Very, very touching story. And I think that really illustrates his play style because the guy plays super hard. He takes every single rep really seriously. We see when he gets knocked down, he hops right back up. And that must be demoralizing for a defense because the defense, they want to set the tone. They want to hit you hard. They, they want you to feel it. And the guy springs back up instantly so i i think that can be demoralized especially now it's gonna be really cold out there in arrowhead and if he keeps running the ball it's gonna be hard to keep tackling that guy in the fourth quarter he's gonna be gonna wear down eventually so i think with mahomes being a little hobbled i think in a weird way that forces the chiefs to play, use the game plan they should or they, and that they should have used last year against this team when they were dropping eight why did you start running the ball so i i think now that forces their hand to do that that could result in a big day for Pop. Yeah, he's going to be crucial to what they do. We, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is somebody that's we've has returned to practice. Andy Reid said it's likely Fortson gets the nod ahead of Clyde as far as the open roster spot. Isaiah Pacheco has brought juice since St. Joe. I mean, he's brought juice since it seems like he was drafted in the seventh round and showed up with a trippy red T-shirt to, to trade camp. Um, I asked Juju Smith-Schuster in the locker room after the win about Isaiah and kind of what do you tell a guy who's never played this much football? What do you tell a guy who's entering his first playoff game and is starting to take bigger and bigger carries, you know? And it's one of those things, and I think we may have mentioned this on the pod previously. He's so young, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. He, he's out there playing, and he's just having fun, and he's absorbing all the coaching. And, you know, he's he's excited to be there, and he's – Talked about today at the podium, not just this being the whole moment of his life, but family being there. You talked about his story and journey up to this point. Um, a- absolutely crucial with a hobbled Mahomes to establish the run game and, and just to make it easy on him. Keep Stay ahead of the chains, all the cliches. Um, stay on schedule. It, it, it's extremely important, and, and Isaiah Pacheco is part of that. Another guy on offense who's been important, and I talked about this earlier in the show, who's going to be that other guy across the middle that helps Travis Kelsey established those inside lanes and those holes in the zone. It's Juju Smith-Schuster, who was asked today about the game plan that Andy Reid has cooked up for the AFC title game. It's, it's fire. It's fire. <laughs> it's, it's it, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. Like it's, it's nice. It's nice. More specifically, Andy was asked earlier this week if he was going to try and, you know, craft in some things to protect Mahomes in anticipation of Buffalo maybe trying to, or excuse me, 
uh, the Bengals trying to come at him and, you know, maybe jostle at that angle, at that ankle, excuse me. What, what do you think as far as game planning? Are, are more running plays like you mentioned or, or, or what, do you, what do you expect outside of fire? So I don't expect the game plan to change that much from where it should be, whether Mahomes is 100% healthy or not. Like I mentioned before, this team has ran efficiently on the Bengals. It's just a matter of how much will they actually run the ball. So I, I do, like I said before, I do think him being a little hindered forces their hand, which is a good thing to stick with the run game because I don't see the Bengals defensive game plan changing too much. I don't see them going outside of what they do just because they think Mahomes is hundred percent because they, they got to this point uh, this far two years in a row to switch up what you do entirely based on uh, an injury where you don't know really how much is going to affect him to me, doesn't make any sense at all. And it can end up costing you a Super Bowl. So I think they're going to come up with the same game plan, do what they do best. And they're going to dare the chiefs to run the football. And I, and I think the Chiefs are going to have to stick with the run game. I think they will. And in turn, it's going to help Mahomes to where he doesn't have too much stress his ankle. So I, I think that's the game plan. I'm with you on the, the game plan looking similar to what we expect. I, I think a lot of sprinkles around. I don't necessarily see the exact same heavy Kelsey workload, but who knows what the game requires. To me, the thing with uh, the the thing with the ankle and game planning around the ankle is the play after the play, and that's what makes Mahomes so dangerous in general. When the play breaks down and he's trying to extend things, rolling out to his right or left or up in the pocket, um, is he going to have that same mobility? There was a play in that divisional round game where uh, third and three, third and whatever, and plus side plus yardage, and I felt like he could have gotten at least five or six on a healthy ankle, but. It was the play where he kind of spiked it into the ground, or, or or couldn't get the full the full hand on it. I don't think I don't think the Chiefs are going to game plan scared, if, if you will. To me, they come out with the same game plan. If Mahomes is playing, uh, you you factor in him at a hundred percent, even though we all know he's not going to be. Um, I see people chiming in saying Pacheco, McKinnon, Tony, Tony extremely crucial to what they do as well. That change of pace guy. We don't know if McCole Hardman will be back though. He was a limited participant on Wednesday uh, uh, it, it the Chiefs have have given you plenty to chew on and nothing at all because I think that um, there's always extra wrinkles and extra fun stuff that they pull in for this time of the year um, whether Mahomes is healthy or, or whether he is hobbled yeah 100 percent I mean we hear all the time how Andy Reid you know people are saying does he hold things back in the regular season is there this secret playbook that he keeps around for the playoffs, right? You know, there's always that conspiracy theory out there. And But I do think there is some truth to it, though. I, I do believe that there are some things because we hear it all the time how, you know, Kelsey and Mahomes are talking about how they're always pitching out new ideas for new plays. They have to improve it. And he's always cooking up new stuff. So, you know, I, I do think you are going to see some new stuff out there this week with all the chips on the table to go to the Super Bowl for the third time in five years and to finally get over that hump over the Bengals, right? You're 0-3 against them. So I, I think it is a little personal as well. Speaking of personal, and look at you in your in your transition bag. It's, it's, it's like he read the rundown before, before the show. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I do my homework, man, you know. Speaking of personal, speaking of 3-0, and there was, there was a little nickname that was made um for geha field at arrowhead stadium i'm not sure if you heard of it uh no, i didn't hear it enlighten me what's it called mike hilton was seen in the nfl films video saying 
See y'all at Burrowhead. Burrowhead being a mold between Joe Burrow's last name and Arrowhead Stadium. This has riled up Twitter. And let, let me set you up. I, I can see you warming up already, Skip Bayless. Hold on. Give me, give me, give me a little, <laughs> little more room for setup. Yes, this is riled up Chiefs Kingdom, and people have been talking about this since we went live. Um, David and Angela say, Burrowhead, that's insulting. We need to bring the Bengals back down to earth. And players were asked about it today. Um, Justin Reed had a quote that basically said, yes, we've all seen it, but we let our play do the talking. And to me, this definitely seems like corporate messaging from the inside out. We know there have been times in the past where there has been, quote unquote, bulletin board material. But maybe, just maybe, Mark Gunnels, and this is where I'll give you the runway to go ahead, maybe, just maybe, it's different this time because of who the opponent is, the team that knocked you out last year on your home field, the team that you haven't had success against recently, and the team that once again is in your way of a, of a third trip to the Super Bowl in five years, as you mentioned. Yeah, so if you're a Chiefs fan, I think you have to like the way the roles have reversed in this game as far as the build-up throughout the week, right? Because last time these two teams played, we know what happened. Justin Reed started popping off at the mouth, right? Then Jamar Chase caught him a tuna in a can, and the rest is history, right? <laughs> so this week, you obviously got the Burrow head. You know, you got Eli Apple going crazy on Twitter towards the Bills, but still, you know, it's a lot of noise over there in Cincinnati this time around. While the Chiefs today at their press conferences kept everything close to the vest, shout out to Justin Reed. He didn't say anything to give us some extra motivation this time around. He, he kept it very political. Um, and I think that's the way they should go about it. Because, I mean, let's face it. They really have no room to talk trash to this team. They beat them three times the last three meetings. They knocked them out last year on this very field that they're calling Burrowhead. It for the in the AFC championship game. So the Chiefs have to take it a business-like mentality. Don't give anything extra. Keep your head down, go to work, and prove them wrong. Because look, the narratives are already being painted. People are already trying to say if the Bengals win this game, we have to call Joe Burrow the best quarterback in the world. There's no longer Patrick Mahomes. How can I say it if he's 4-0 against them? I know that's, that makes you sick. You, you, you can't even sleep right this week because no, just thinking I, I about can't. Joe Burrow possibly being. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tossing and turning every night, Aaron. I, I can't stomach the fact that it would be 0-4 against this guy, and I'm going to have to hear all summer how Joe Burrow's now the guy. I, I can't stomach it, Aaron. So, yes, this win, I, I honestly believe this, and I think a lot of Chiefs fans would agree. I think outside of winning the Super Bowl, no, they, they beat the Niners. This may be the most satisfactory win if they Chiefs win outside of that game. Considering all those factors, though, you're only three against this team. They've been talking a lot of trash. They're calling it Burrowhead. The narrative between Joe Burrow and Mahomes. I, I really think that Chiefs fans want this win almost as bad as the Super Bowl. Obviously, not as it's a different level, but it's damn near close. I would reach to agree with you on that one. I think this one has gotten to that point to where it does have that rivalry feel. This one would be extremely gratifying for Chiefs fans. I think not only because it's um, Cincinnati, but also it pairs with the fact that they're being doubted again. Once again, for the first time in a very long time, 
since I would say against since training camp, at least as far as this year is concerned, the questions are around, can Kansas City respond? Can they build around or can they help support Patrick Mahomes when he's not exactly 100% and win a game where Cincinnati is the better team? In my opinion, and I had this conversation with Pete the other night at Char Bar, which does deserve more love, and I tweeted that out as well. Cincinnati's the better team in this game. That win against Buffalo was the most impressive win of any team this NFL season. The, the elements, everything around it, the fact that they had the game that was postponed or not finished before, um, shutting down Buffalo in the way they did, holding Josh Allen at offense to just 10 points. It was the most impressive win, and that's why they are talking all this cash money right now and why they're calling it Burrowhead, because they feel like they just won a Super Bowl. So for, for, for Kansas City, who's now an underdog, catch them, catch them while they're lacking, catch them while they feel like they won the Super Bowl already, and, and while everyone else is doubting you. Let's get to this Mahomes sound talking about underdogs. He was asked on Wednesday about what it felt like to be an underdog uh, going into this one. I mean, every time I walk on that field, I don't, I don't think I'm an underdog, especially when I walk on Arrow, Arrowhead's field. So uh, I just go in with the same mindset of we're going to play our best football to win. Uh, we know we're playing a great football team that's beat us the last three times. Um, and so we have to learn from our mistakes in the past and be better um, in order to, to win against a great football team. They're underdogs, but to me, a lot of it has to do with the ankle. I think maybe this is a more of a pick em if he was purely healthy, straight up 100%. But I think the ankle instability and uncertainty has led Vegas to kind of lean Cincinnati's way. Though I do think that they are the more, uh, they are the better team right now, Mark. Yeah, so the Vegas lines on this have been moving like something I've never seen before. I believe it started off at Chiefs minus two or Chiefs minus one and a half. Then it shifts to Chiefs minus one. Then I think it was at a pick em. Then it went to Bengals minus one. And it went all the way up to Bengals minus two or two and a half, I believe. And then now I think currently it's Bengals minus one. I think by game time, it'll probably be a pick em. I don't think Vegas knows what to do with this game considering the ankle. So it, it, like a, it's going to be pretty much a pick em. But at the end of the day, um, are the Bengals the better team? I mean, after last week, I can see why you say that. But I will say this. It looks like the Chiefs will be pretty much fully healthy this game, right? And they, that wasn't the case the first time these two teams met. But the Bengals also didn't have Joe Mixon in that game as well. So I have to be fair there. But the Chiefs didn't have Joe Tooney in that game. They didn't have Kadarius Toney or McCole Hardman, who looks like he may be trending in the right direction. So we'll see, man. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, obviously, at home, I think they probably are going to maybe lean Chiefs minus one. I know I said probably pick them, but it depends where the money's going. But at the end of the day, man, it's two great teams. It's always going to come down to this. These games always come down to execution and who makes that mistake or two, right? It's always one or two plays. All three games have been decided by three points. So if you're on the Chiefs side, you're saying if we can make those one or two plays. This could easily have been 3-0 on the Chiefs side. And you're on the Bengals side, you're saying, well, we just execute better in these moments, right? So you come in with a lot of confidence. So I think it's going to be one another close nip and tuck game to the very end. We've seen this before, Ron. Like, I will never forget, it was a Monday night football game against the Ravens. I think it was like two years ago where the Chiefs just like, they had that defense in a blender, man. They had no idea what was coming at them. You had the A-plus Andy Reid script. And it was just a route from the moment that they kicked that ball off. The Ravens had no shot because of what Andy had schemed up that day. That's what this has got to be. 
This has got to be an Andy Reid over my dead body game. We've seen those from Mahomes in the playoffs. This is Andy's turn. It's Andy's turn to be able to have his name etched in stone in. This is his game plan. You got to have that. Serta, we we watched it. You talked about all those examples. We watched him Saturday scheme up a 12-play, 98-yard drive with Chad Henney. Somehow, Travis Kelsey is the number one person that everybody wants to stop, yet he got 14 balls in the game. And many times, it wasn't just forced into double coverage. Somehow, he schemed running open. Like, he's got to be whatever. Like, we saw we saw his greatness. Like, he could bring Chad Henney in from the two-yard line and drive it all the way down. Like, you got to see that this week from him. Well, and I think the biggest thing in this game, too, is, yeah, obviously the Patrick Mahomes injury. But you need Andy to be special whether Mahomes was 100% healthy or not in this game because as much disrespect as I've thrown towards Zach Taylor over the last couple of years – Zach Taylor's been really good in the playoffs. Like he, he, he has done a really good job. They, they were scheming guys open against a good Buffalo Bills defense last week. And Zach Taylor totally outcoached that Buffalo Bills coaching staff. And if you come into this game with a less than 100% Patrick Mahomes, your advantage has to lie in Andy Reid in the Chiefs offensive coaching staff. And so there's no excuses for them this week. Like there's no... There's no poor decision-making, poor clock management. Like, there's no excuses for Andy Reid. This game is as much on him this week as it is Patrick Mahomes because he might not be able to lean into Patrick to cover up some of the mistakes the way that he usually does. So Andy's got to be totally dialed in. He's got to be almost perfect on Sunday in this AFC Championship game. And, and BK, we like we've watched this game. Now, this will be the fourth time we've watched this game. And we've watched Buffalo games or other Cincinnati games, in particular last weekend's Buffalo. We know what Lou's going to try to do. So Lou is going to try to take away. As I said, Kelsey had 14 balls last week, 10 balls in the first half. Now he's going to try to take away Travis Kelsey. This is this is what I said before the playoffs, my concern of what is it going to look like with the secondary guys. Now we're getting some potentially positive news, right, Serta, on McCole Hardman that at least as of as we're sitting here on Thursday recording this, that he practiced limited in a limit fashion Wednesday. And Andy felt seemed and sounded more optimistic about McCole Hardman and his, his chances to play with this pelvic injury. But that's, that's going to be the thing. Lou is going to try to take Kelsey away. And, and I'll be honest, he, judging by what he's been able to do as he took digs away, like he, he, there's going to probably be a point where he may be successful at it. Now is the other deal of these other guys. Like somebody, and Andy's going to have to help with it, but somebody else is going to have to make them pay for that. So what I'm really curious to see what they decide to do in this game, Ron, because I, I saw somebody, this was, I think, during the game on Sunday where the Bengals were playing against the Bills. They said afterwards, they were like, hey, yeah, I'd, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more people steal some of the scheme that Lou Anarumo has come up with. And it's like, yeah, like you can steal the scheme, but that's not what makes it special. The scheme isn't anything different than what we see from everybody. It's the game plan ability. Like what he does that's different is he brings a different game plan into every game. Like you said, Ron, he's going to decide, okay, what do you, what do you want to do? I'm taking that away. I'm making you play left-handed. And that's what Bill Belichick has done for years, right? You'd go into a game and you're like, all right, 
Bill's going to make us do what we don't want to do. How comfortable can we be with that? What are the things that we can go to if previously he takes away Tyreek Hill and we got to run this offense through Kelsey instead, or he takes away Kelsey and Hill and we got to run this offense through the running game. Like those are the kinds of things that Lou Anarumo does previously what he had done to the chiefs that made a really uncomfortable. He would bring like three and you didn't know which three it was going to be, but eight guys were going to drop into coverage. One of those guys typically was going to be some kind of a, a spy on Mahomes. I don't know if they'll use that this week, maybe early on, they're like, you know what? We don't think that he's going to have the mobility to be able to run around the way that he normally does. We don't need that spy. So that's one extra guy that they can drop into coverage. They'll loop a guy around. They were one of the first teams that was going into some of that stuff against the Chiefs. They would bring down a robber. So they've got a guy in the middle of the field because the Chiefs love using that uh, deep over route. Like all of these things are super simple, but they maximized it. They did it better than other teams did against the Chiefs. And so... When you look at the way that the Chiefs are going into this game, man, I I don't know how they game plan for it, but this is where Andy needs to make his money. And this is where those secondary weapons that you're talking about, Ron, they've got to step up. You need Juju to be able to come up with some yep. big plays. He was great early on in that first game, and then he got hurt with the concussion. Um, you need like one of the backup tight ends to come up with a big play. You need Pacheco to be able to help you out in the running game. Darius Tony is one that they sure. didn't see the first time. They didn't they didn't see Hardman or him in that in that first game. That 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 is those those are pieces too that can like there are a couple of things, right, that we know that can just be situations of hey everybody's got a plan until they get punched. And you might have a plan on how you're going to hold Kelsey and all this, but if Pacheco and McKinnon start running the ball down your throats, now you got, now you got it. Now you got to shift and change stuff. And that was a big key on that 98 yard drive that they had, which had Henny is it may have been the best drive that Pacheco had in terms of running the football and Hill Jacksonville probably knew that was coming. And <laughs> yep. Still, able to pull it off so like it, you can do all the stuff you want to do and, and have all the and he has been very unique with things but if the run game starts getting off and the chiefs are running for 140 150 yards and they're punching them in the mouth running the football then that might go out the window and then if you get hit down the field on, on deep stuff by hardman like he did in the afc championship game to him but there's only once or or tony big plays down the field where you're like, okay, yeah, I know Eli Apple is, is a great talker, but I know we're trying to double down on on Kelsey, but we really going to leave Eli Apple out here alone against Kadarius Tony? Are we really going to leave him out here alone against McCole Hardman and let him run past him? Like those are two things that can also get them out of it. Ron, I think to your point on the running game specifically, like – if I'm looking at the Chiefs versus the Bengals, and I'm just going position group by position group, where do the Chiefs have the single biggest advantage? Like their group at defensive line versus the Bengals group at defensive line and so on. I think it's offensive line. Like the biggest issue for the Bengals coming into this game is their offensive line, and you have invested heavily into yours. And so if I'm looking at, okay, how, how do the Chiefs overcome the injury to Mahomes? How do they overcome what Lou Anarumo is going to do to them in the passing game with all of his different coverages, how he's disguising them, the blitz pack, all of that stuff. Man, run the ball. 
Like, I know that's a weird thing to say when you have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. I, I get Especially it. Especially now, yeah. But this week, after what we just saw from Pacheco last week and what your offensive line can do, and we know they're a little bit of a liability against this pass rush as well, man, lean on them. Lean into what Lou Anaromo is going to give you because he, he'll he give you a four or five yards a pop. He's, a, he's not afraid to do that because he thinks that's their best way to win. Their best recipe is to not have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. Prove him wrong. Go into this game and tell your offensive line, this is on you. Go get this done. We're going to ride you guys to the end of this thing. Yeah. I, I think they finally have a running game that I would actually trust to potentially be able to get that done. Help your defense. Help keep Joe there. Help your defense get rested up. And and with that, man, my final thing, when, when the Chiefs have the ball, we've seen this game. This will be the fourth time we've seen this game. There is a trend. And that is some kind of mistake especially in the second half in these three games they've played, they've lost some kind of mistake where they've had control of the game that they have made that swung the game and hell in a couple of games has been multiple ones. The first game, the first game that they lost in the regular season last year, there's a, there's a, there's several penalties, but there was one in particular, a holding penalty on a third down in which Mahomes had a big play that would have put them first down in the fourth quarter with a four-point lead in field goal range, I mean, well in field goal range, inside the 30, that was taken away because of a holding penalty. And then it went from first down inside the 30 to a second down in 12 or 15 that then became an incompletion that resulted into a punt. And then they went on and won the game. And then we all know the AFC Championship game. Hell, you could start with the mistakes that just kept coming, starting at the end of the half where they didn't get any points. And then next thing you know, Mahomes throws a really bad interception to a defensive lineman, miss misfires throughout. And then ultimately, Mahomes throws an interception in overtime that puts them right in field goal range, damn near. And then this last game, we all know Kelsey, his fumble in the fourth quarter. They all had leads there or were tied at those points of those mistakes. Um, and and the Kelsey thing, they fumble, they go back down, and they score. And they were in control of the game. They were driving to score again. They have got to stop shooting themselves in the foot. They have made critical mistakes offensively. The, 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 this is an offensive-led team. They've made critical mistakes and really, hell, if I just named them, these are these are two of your best players, <laughs> your two best players that have made the mistakes. They've got to fix that. And that's the thing, Ron. Like you, you look at it going in, and it's been their their issue for most of the season too. Like you look at the Bengals yeah. game specifically, and then you look at what this season has been for the Chiefs all year. We talked about it, man. Can you just limit to one? Like, can we just yeah. get one turnover? At this point, that was what we were willing to accept. But you look at what they've done over the last month of the season. Zero against the Seahawks. Zero against the Raiders. Zero last week. You had two in that Denver game, but you were able to get it done ultimately. They have improved in that area. Limit the turnovers. Remove a lot of those penalties that we've talked about. And then the other thing, like I think it kind of goes along with what you're talking about here. Man, the special teams issues just have to stop. Last week, you gave up the big kickoff return. The the missed field goal in one of these games. Like the, these things just cannot happen. You, you can't be had. I don't even need them to be a, a contributing factor to winning. Just don't allow it to be a contributing factor to losing. 
Don't miss field goals. Shut. Don't have a terrible kickoff return. Don't get a punt block. Those are the kinds of things that can't happen. Shout out to Harrison, who kicked the ball well, except for on kickoffs. Shout out to him, who kicked the ball well. There you go, knocked him down right down the middle. You could get a little deep on the kickoffs. I'm just wondering if Tommy Townsend could kick it further. Can Justin Reed kick it further? I'm just curious. I don't know. Uh, maybe that he could take a tackle. I mean, he saved a touchdown, so he gets credit. And he for made that. the tackle. But He's he the arsonist that put out the fire. Like, get out of here. He's the one that created the problem. That that could really help. That could really help Dave Tobe if he could just make these touchbacks. 